So hi everyone, welcome to the Schulich Pediatric Interest Group podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Megan, and today we're joined by Dr. Sarah Pilon. Dr. Pilon, would you like to introduce yourself and your specialty? Yes, thanks for having me. So my name is Sarah Pilo, as you said, and I'm an attending developmental pediatrician at Children's Hospital in London. And I'm also an assistant professor at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western. And the field that I practice, as I mentioned, is developmental pediatrics, which is a pediatric subspecialty that provides expertise in child development. And the overall goal of developmental pediatrics is really to promote and maintain typical patterns of growth, uh, development and emotional well-being for children and their families, especially those who present with delays and disabilities. So why did you choose pediatrics and why developmental pediatrics specifically? Right, so I went into the field of pediatrics already with a strong interest in the field of developmental pediatrics, but what drew me to peds was the medical challenges because it has all of the complexity of internal medicine, but I always thought it was a lot more fun because you're working with kids every day. Um, as far as developmental pediatrics, as I said, it's been a long-standing interest. So I did have some personal exposure to developmental disabilities in my own life as a child. Um, and was also fortunate to have gained at least a little bit of experience in my medical training uh, at medical school in the, in the field of DevPeds. So I like it because it's a field that's really unique to pediatrics. Um, although it's a medical subspecialty, we get to focus on the importance of childhood. And I like that I get to work with families towards ensuring that their child have positive experiences, um, regardless of whatever their medical or developmental presentation is. And when, whereabouts in medical school did you become interested in the developmental pediatrics specifically? So. Um, during my clerkship rotation in pediatrics, I did have the opportunity to do some placements with a community physician, um, and they were practicing developmental pediatrics. Um, and so I had a few days of that. Really, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough to spur my interest. Cool. Um, would you mind sharing with us your educational path to entering peds and, and developmental peds, starting kind of with your undergraduate degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my educational path, I think, is a little bit unconventional. So I started my undergraduate degree at the University of Ottawa, um, always having, you know, a goal of pursuing medicine in the future. And in my first year, I completed some observerships with physicians um, in my community. And at that time was was my first kind of real, real concrete exposure to the concept of Canadians studying medicine abroad, right? There's so many who study abroad and return back to practice in Canada. And so um, that idea kind of percolated and I was keen on, on entering medicine and medical school without having to complete a full undergraduate degree, um, which is what is offered in a number of countries. And so I felt like I was up for the adventure as well. Um, so what I did was I looked into schools that had um, that were reputable based on their CARMS match rate and was accepted to the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, which is in Dublin. And so I studied there for six years and six years because it's an undergraduate program that kind of flows directly into medical school. And then from there matched um, through CARMS to um, the uh, pediatric residency program at, at the University of Ottawa. So I was at CHEO. And I was there for three years. Um, in my second year is when I applied for fellowship to developmental pediatrics. 
and I matched to McMaster's program in Hamilton. And I think that was really good fit for me personally. It's a bit of a smaller program. It offers a lot of independence, a lot of ability to kind of focus your, um, your interests within the field. And um, it had excellent mentorship. So I felt very fortunate to, to have landed there. And then, um, yeah, so in general, developmental pediatrics is a two-year fellowship following uh, a residency in general peds. That's so interesting. Had you ever been to Ireland before going to school there or did you just kind of take a chance on it? No, took a chance. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's always, it was always one of those places in the back of my mind, like I would wanted to travel there. Um, so it certainly appealed to me when I heard about all the, you know, the great schools that they have there and the statistics for, for matching back in Canada. So, yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> so what does a typical day look like as a developmental pediatrician? Okay, so my days are pretty predictable, um, but I really do like it that way. So I keep regular work hours. It's a Monday to Friday type job, which is right up my alley. Um, so I run several half day clinics a week um, and then also a few full day clinics a month. And I also take call for inpatient services during, you know, regular daytime hours, Monday to Friday, which I split that responsibility with a number of my colleagues in, in developmental pediatrics as well. So during the hours where I'm not seeing patients, I do have a lot of administrative work to do related to my clinical duties. But then um, in my current position, I also have academic responsibilities and um, research responsibilities. Um, but I would like to talk a little bit about like what the clinical day looks like for developmental peds, because um, I know that, you know, my exposure to it was was kind of ha like happened by chance almost in, in medical school. I know not everyone gets that. So um, even people who are entering pediatrics don't necessarily have a great understanding of what we do every day. So I'll, I'll run you through it a little bit. So we get referrals um, from our colleagues, right? usually pediatricians or other pediatric subspecialties. And they're asking us to assess and diagnose and manage children who have a wide variety of developmental issues. Um, when we think of development quite broadly, children can have either delays or atypical patterns of development across a lot of different domains, right? So I'm looking at a child's adaptive skills, their motor skills, communication, social, cognitive skills. Um, and I tend to get referrals for children ages two to five, like that's usually kind of the age that they come through to, to me the first time, although certainly we see them younger and we definitely see them older depending on kind of the, the presentation. And so one of the things that I think it's important to know as a pediatrician, but especially as a developmental pediatrician is that children don't come to us in a vacuum. That was one thing that was, was really emphasized in my training, right? They're still highly influenced by the environment that they come from. So not just their parents or caregivers, but you know their community and their culture. And so in my job, having a good understanding of a child's environment is really important. So I spend a lot of time trying to get to know families and um, you know, teasing out what is truly a developmental issue versus what might be either a lack of exposure or a lack of opportunity or differences in expectations, just to name you know, a few alternatives, right? To developmental delays. And so for that reason, new assessments take a minimum of 90 minutes. It's wow. pretty lengthy. 
Yeah. <laughs> so during that 90 minutes, what we do is we're taking a history. Um, if we haven't had a chance ahead of time, usually I prep for clinic and I'm able to um, review reports from like allied health, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physio. Um, parents often bring school reports and we do a physical exam. But part of the examination in developmental pediatrics is also doing developmental evaluations of the child, right? So corroborating what you were able to identify in history. Um, and so these developmental assessments can be standardized um, and they can also be play-based. And sometimes our standardized assessments are play-based. Um, and I often think like parents must think I'm just like on the floor playing with their child, but really you can learn so much um, about a child and about their development and about their skills based on how they play. Um, the conditions that we see often in developmental pediatrics would be autism spectrum disorder, early developmental impairment, intellectual disability. Um, we would see learning disabilities, complex forms of ADHD or school problems. Um, we do see children where there's, um, where the presentation is almost overlapping with psychiatry a little bit because we might see them for anxiety and low mood. But when we're seeing those children, they also have developmental issues. So it's more of a dual diagnosis situation. Um, and then where my clinical interest lies, especially is children who have neuromotor disorders. So um, that would be conditions like cerebral palsy, spina bifida, genetic conditions presenting with motor impairments, um, developmental coordination disorder. Um, and so I, what I like is that management of these children isn't just um, developmental, but we're also addressing their medical issues because there's often comorbid issues relating to their tone, um, their orthopedic alignment, seizures, things like that. And then, so after we've established a diagnosis, right, for these, for these children and families, we have to provide education around it. So with a lot of the medical conditions that we see in developmental pediatrics, there's not a cure, um, they're often lifelong conditions. And so what we try to do is focus on establishing support so that the child can continue to just live life as a child and participate in the activities that they want to with their peers, right? And, and live out to their full potential. Um, we communicate our findings with schools if parents request it, and that can be either indirectly or directly. So often we're asked to attend school meetings, which we do. Um, and we advocate to make sure that children get the support that's needed, right? Um, and that support comes not just like physical support and, you know, it supports through adaptive equipment and things like that. It's also financial support. We spend a lot of time filling out financial forms for these families and also emotional support, right? So we're connecting them with um, support groups so that they can develop a broader social circle and have, you know, a community that understands what they might be going through. And then, um, in developmental pediatrics, you know, the way that I run my clinics is I offer follow-up because I think it's it's critically important to offer follow-up when you might be, you know, the only physician that the family has seen that, that truly kind of understands the complexity of their child's development. So um, yeah, so I'll see them until they transition out of, out of pediatrics. So you're typically following them for quite a few years, if yeah. you're them kind of age two to five usually, and then you follow them to like age 18 or? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Until they transition out of, um, out of our, our pediatric age group, right? Yeah. Are you also working with other healthcare professionals like physiotherapists and um, other like psychiatrists? Yeah, I mean, we, we do definitely, right? So I 
I run a few clinics where I'm like a working essentially in a silo where I'm the only physician in that clinic, but a lot of the clinics that I work in are multidisciplinary. So, um, you know, for example, the cerebral palsy clinic, it's not just myself as a developmental pediatrician, but we also have a neurologist. Um, you know, we often have other kind of specialties like orthopedic surgery might come. Um, and then allied health professionals, as you said, right? Physiotherapists, occupational therapists, recreational therapists, social workers. So yeah, we, we do work very closely with other, other healthcare professionals. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So um, what type of settings are you usually working in? Uh, so developmental pediatricians in general usually work in what's known as children's treatment centers, um, because as you mentioned, Julian, like that's where the allied health care professionals usually are, right? So OT, PT, speech therapy, these habilitation specialists are located there. And we really work well in teams, like we're trained to work well in teams as developmental pediatricians. Um, there's also a lot of other important individuals at these centers um, that we would want to be able to communicate with regularly around getting support for kids like social workers, um, behavioral therapists, uh, recreational therapists, so service navigators, you know, just to name a few. Um, in London, where our developmental pediatrics division is um, located, so we work in a, in a few different locations and some of us are working in, you know, a, a couple of them. Um, so located out of TVCC, which is the Children's Treatment Center, CPRI, or Children's Hospital. And at the hospital, we're mostly doing outpatient consultations, um, but we also offer inpatient consultations. Um, and so, you know, actually, if I can give a bit of a plug, one of my colleagues, Dr. Ogilvy, is spearheading an enhanced developmental care pathway for children uh, with chronic, young children who are chronically hospitalized. And so I think there's you know, obviously a role for us across various settings, including inpatient services. Cool. How do you find the work-life balance in developmental pediatrics? Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally think it's excellent. I think most people in, um, in pediatrics um, value work-life balance, right? Um, but for me, was what was important in establishing this like coveted balance is really knowing what your natural kind of rhythms are, like what rhythm naturally suits you. And that can help guide you towards Mm -hmm. a career path. I think that you find fulfilling, but also one where you'll find balance. So I've mentioned that my days are predictable, but I really like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I get to spend, you know, mornings and evenings and weekends with my family. I have a young son. And so for me, that feels like balance, right? Um, you know, but I know that not everyone would feel balanced in developmental pediatrics if that's not their natural rhythm, right? An emergency physician certainly um, has a very different schedule for myself, but but if that suits their rhythm, then they can find their balance there, right? So I think it's it's important to to kind of strive for this balance, but knowing your rhythm, I think, is is what makes it a fit for you or not, right? A certain specialty. Mm-hmm. What balance means to you might be different um, to other people. That's a great point. Yeah, for sure. What are some things that you like about your career? So I like that um, that I get to have continuity of care with my patients and families. I like that. Um, 
I, I really appreciate that when I spend a long time with a family, I get to know them and they often report to me that they feel, you know, that they feel cared for, that they feel supported. Um, and, I, and I mentioned before, you know, because of the complexity of many of the children that we see in developmental pediatrics, sometimes I will be the first physician that they've encountered um, who really kind of understands, right? And so, um, that is obviously a fulfilling experience. And I also like when I get to help parents see the potential um, in their children, right? To, to see their, the full breadth of their abilities despite the presence of delays or disabilities. And I'm sure you kind of form quite the relationship with not only the patient, but also the family as well, having spent that much time with them, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly try to, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. And so what are some of the challenges of your career? Um, so a, a personal career challenge um, that I have would be, you know, I find it difficult um, when I have patient encounters where, you know, I've met a family, I've gotten to know them and I suspect, you know, a very difficult condition, right? A difficult diagnosis. And then, you know, we go through the process and eventually I have to disclose that, um, that diagnosis. And, and so it's kind of that, breaking bad news, right? And we do that not irregularly in developmental pediatrics, unfortunately. Um, I find disclosing um, degenerative conditions extremely difficult and, and that always takes an emotional toll on me. Um, and I think that those, those kind of moments and interactions with patients will always be um, the most challenging for me personally um, in my career. But, um, you know, on a broader kind of more systemic note, I think, um, there are also some challenges there, right? So, so much of my job is identifying where a child could be better supported to enable their full participation. And while there are a lot of government supports available for children, I don't think that there are enough. And I also struggle with the fact that many supports are available based on diagnosis rather than functional need, right? Because I don't think that that is equitable. Um, I struggle a bit with the fact that, you know, personally, I don't find that there's enough value placed on childhood in our society, right? So I view advocacy as a, an important challenge in my career and something that I'm recognizing more and more. Um, you know, there, there are people out there who've already laid the groundwork for this. So there's an excellent group called um, PONDA. They're the Physicians of Ontario Neurodevelopmental Advocacy. Um, and their goal is to advocate to the government on behalf of children with disabilities and their families, right? To, to make sure that supports are equitable and timely and, and evidence-based, right? So um, yeah, there's already a foundation for that, but I view advocacy as an important challenge. Right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience before we wrap up? Um, well, just to say that I'm glad that people um, felt interested to listen to this uh, episode about developmental pediatrics, because um, obviously I, I'm very happy with my career path. And hopefully over the course of yours, you'll continue to, to kind of recognize the importance of early childhood in, in a person's life, right? Um, and then if there are ever any questions, you know, we're a friendly division, very happy to hear from you. Um, and there's often opportunities for observerships, even before clerkship and research opportunities uh, within our division, right? So feel free to reach out if, if you are interested. So thank you so much for joining us today. We learned a lot about developmental pediatrics and we really appreciate your time, Dr. Pilon.
And thank you everyone for listening and please stay tuned for more episodes on different pediatric specialties.